Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. Critically analyzing national affairs. This is State of the Nation on today's news talk radio, TNT. Yeah. All right. Welcome to State of the Nation. Day two of our video launch here at today's News Talk. I would like to just take a moment. And uh, if I had a hat on, I would take it off to everybody on our team over at TNT Radio. This is unprecedented in independent media, what has been accomplished right here. So uh, just a big thank you uh, to you for viewing and to all our colleagues over here at Today's News Talk for the amazing, amazing hard work that you can now see the fruits of on our video stream. So very proud to be part of this launch at Today's News Talk. I'm Brian McLean. They call me Hesher. I'm broadcasting live out of Central Texas. And I would like to introduce the one and only the uh the dude to my walter steve hook <laughs> steve welcome to state of the nation uh the dude will abide uh, yeah and by the way i uh Ash, it's good to see you again my man i uh, do want to uh also uh, a big big tip of the hat to all of the folks behind the scenes at the mothership down under uh and really all points in between because this as we were talking about it off air hash you know what we're doing on tnt uh radio is something that's never really been done before, certainly not to this extent, and that is blowing this up 24-7 live on the air, not just audio, but now video, for better or worse, I guess. But <laughs> And by that, I mean many of us do have great faces for radio, but I must say we look rather sharp today, Ash, so uh, you're looking good, and it's good to be with you, but it's uh, it really is an exciting time for TNT Radio. Yes, it absolutely is. I, I couldn't stop watching it last night. I had it on almost all day yesterday. Just wonderful to see uh, the beautiful faces of all our colleagues over here at TNT Radio. So do check us out. We're on YouTube, BitChute, Odyssey, Rumble, all the good video platforms and more to come. We got a lot more to come. Now, Steve, before we get to our news break with Ruckus here, uh, I just want to take a moment and do a propaganda analysis here in retrospect, looking back on the George Floyd experience. Now, you may recall on May 25th of 2020, George Floyd passed away. He was arrested after a convenience store owner uh, reported him for using counterfeit money. He lost consciousness while Officer Derek Chauvin used a police-trained police technique of restraining a suspect. Uh, if memory serves, I believe it's called MST, but um, I'll elaborate on that momentarily here. And Floyd died after being detained, unfortunately, and the nation was told that he was murdered by Derek Chauvin and that Chauvin's colleagues sat there and let it happen. And I mean, what happened next? America was overcome by violence and riots in the wake of the reporting of Floyd's death. Uh, all told, over two dozen people died. There were fires, riots businesses looted and burned down uh police were defunded around the nation and a massive race-driven polarization went into extremes uh we had national crime waves ensuing we've seen retail theft become practically legalized we saw riots 
for the longest amount of time in places like Portland, Baltimore, D.C., and elsewhere across the nation, over 7,000 of them, 500 of which turned into violent riots, approximately. It's very hard to say, but that's the approximation. And unfortunately, Steve, this bolstered the pushing of CRT and DEI around the nation, which is a bold-faced underlining of the oppressor and oppressed narratives, uh, which have become the norm in our national media now. Well, um, there's something important happening this week. I want to make sure everyone's aware of. There's a new investigation into these events by journalist Liz Collin out of Minneapolis. And uh, there's a documentary that goes with it, Steve. It's called The Fall of Minneapolis. And I saw Jesse Waters do a bit of a preview on this. And um, I'm very intrigued and excited to see it. Um, uh, Liz Collin interviews a number of officers and um, they, she learns a lot about that restraint technique. Turns out um, that the chief of police and other members of the police, uh, it appears as though they perjured themselves uh, in court, saying that that was not a tactic, a, a standard operating tactic rule of engagement that was taught to their officers. So um, the propaganda wave that came with this really changed our nation for the worse, Steve. And it's, uh, I think this is going to be an important documentary for people to see. So I wanted to take a moment and um, lay that out. Yeah, I, I, you know, I was, I was reading up on this uh, as you posted this, and I was uh, doing a little research on it myself. And I do remember, of course, we, how can anybody forget uh, the summer of love and uh, the most, mostly, what was it? CNN said, uh, I, I think it was Ali Velchi said, uh, mostly peaceful, but some fiery uh, demonstrations. Uh, they were flat out riots. It was uh, it was take January 6th, multiply it by a factor of about 10,000, add Maldorf cocktails and Antifa and BLM thugs beating people, and then you're closer to the truth. It was horrible, and uh, I look forward to the documentary as well. Nobody wanted to see George Floyd die, but uh, the autopsy report, uh, report made it abundantly clear Derek Chauvin, uh, and I don't know that he acted properly or not. I don't know. That's, uh, you know, that I guess we're going to, the documentary will kind of delve into that a bit. But he didn't have anything to do with George Floyd's death. It was a fentanyl overdose. No shocker there. One of about 100,000 fentanyl overdoses that year. Uh, and they've only gotten more uh, since then. And I, it does look to me, uh, Hesh, like this was all, as much as I hate to say it, this was a political, uh, I hate to even use the term false flag because I think that gets tossed around so much, but it was certainly used uh, as a political cudgel. Um, and it seemed to be directed and organized uh, inside DC and other locales, maybe the DOJ, who knows? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you, except uh, I will use the word false flag freely on this one just because of what it did to our nation. And we yeah, were well, propagandized heavily, heavily on that one. And as it turns out, here's a quote from the coroner, uh, quote, if he were found dead at home alone and no other apparent causes, this could be acceptable to call an OD. He was on he had uh, 11 NG slash ML of fentanyl in his system, as well as methamphetamine and a 75% blockage in one of his main heart valves. So this person had a lot of addiction and health problems and a lot of drugs in the system. So 
Uh, let's keep that in mind as we move forward. Uh, Steve and I covered this uh, last week or week before, and it's a big deal. It is a very big deal. And we'll remind yeah. you at TNT Radio, we never go home, and we're committed to bringing you our take on the biggest topics of our time. We broadcast live 24-7 online globally no matter what. We got you covered on TNT Radio. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I come to you for facts. I really appreciate what you and your team do. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. The U.S. Army is telling unvaccinated former soldiers who were kicked out of the military for refusing to receive a COVID-19 emergency youth authorized gene therapy experimental shot renamed as a vaccine that they can potentially rejoin the force as the military struggles to draw new recruits here with the story joining us now is tnt radio news producer adam clark uh ruckus i can't say i'm surprised to see this now that we've seen recruitment fall off the ledge in the last four years or so what's the scoop we're we're, we're pulling out all the stops now now it's totally okay that these people are not safely vaccinated against the world's deadliest disease known to man. Uh, that's okay. We'll, we'll let you back in the army. Forget the fact that we kicked you out over your refusal to take this thing. We forgive you. We're going to wipe the slate clean. That's basically quite literally what they're offering. Uh, in a letter uh, that was sent to former army personnel by one Brigadier General Hope Rampy, that's actually the U.S. Army's Director of Personnel Management, Quote, individuals who desire to apply to return to service should contact their local recruiter, end quote. Mm -hmm. Brigadier General Rampy was alerting former members to new guidance that enables soldiers who were kicked out for not receiving a COVID-19 jab to ask for their military records to be corrected, i.e. have the slate wiped clean. Under the U.S. military's COVID-19 vaccine mandates, of course, the Army kicked out, got rid of, lost, booted 1,903 members for their refusal to get jabbed. Um, Army Secretary Christine Warmuth said in 2022, as the first soldiers were discharged, quote, unvaccinated soldiers present risk to the force and jeopardize readiness, end quote. Well, I guess they were kind of right uh, because they they left and now you're not ready. See what happened there? Uh, multiple, <laughs> multiple military branches have struggled to attract new recruits in recent years. Uh, the Army missed its FY fiscal year 2023 goal by about 10,000. In response, officials have implemented changes in recruitment strategy, including targeting college graduates. That's right. We're not just going after those high school kids anymore and giving bonuses as high as $50,000. Wowza. The new letter from Brigadier General Rampy and Associated Guidance indicates that the strategy includes trying to bring back soldiers removed for defying the COVID-19 vaccine mandate. The guidance referred to in the letter dated November 7th says that under Ms. Warmuth's direction, a number of steps have been taken in recent months, including removing suspensions related to soldiers who asked for exemptions from the mandate. I love this story, gentlemen. How about you? Is this good news for the, the soldiers who had to quit because they refused the jab? Or is this just a, I mean, a clear sign that things are desperate for the military? What do you guys think? Uh, I think it's I think it's desperation for sure. Yeah. Uh, nineteen hundred. I mean, that tells you how bad their recruitment roles have fallen off. They booted nineteen hundred 
And now they're saying, come on back. We'll wipe the, we'll wipe the slate clean. Uh, here's an idea. I'll come back. Now pay me. Now pay me back all the back pay that I missed. Uh, they're going to have a problem with this, I think, because a lot of these, uh, you know, why do a lot of young folks jo- join the military? They join the military so they can get uh, college education. Some of them go to the use the the bill to get into school. Uh, some of them use it to further advance their career. They want to get into engineering or whatever it may be, some trade mechanic, whatever. And now a lot of these kids have probably said, screw this. I'm going to go get a job in the private sector. And they're going to be hard pressed to get a lot of these guys, guys and gals back, I would wager. And if they do, I think these, these troops ought to hold out and say, you give me back pay and I'll, I'll start to consider it, but not until then, but that's not going to happen. What do you think, Ash? I think back pay and an apology letter would be nice. An apology letter signed by Biden, signed by Blinken, signed by, uh, I don't know. An apology letter would be great. Back pay would be great. Um, And we will never do this to you again would be great. Why would anybody of these 1,903 Army members who didn't want to take that jab and, and were treated that way, had their lives disrupted, um, were called grandma killers in some cases by many people. Uh, why would they take that job back when we've got the same people that perpetrated uh, the lockdowns, the same people that perpetrated the mandates? Some people don't like to call them mandates now, but we know plenty of people who felt mandated to do so to keep their job, to not have their life disrupted. And you know, mileage varies on how that works out in the long run for people, and everybody knows it now. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it's. I agree with you, Steve. This is an act of desperation, and if they were genuine about it, you would get those things that we mentioned. Back pay, an apology, a promise that this will never happen again, and a promise that this government will never do that to our military veterans, children who might be thinking about joining the military. You know, there, there's too much at stake here. So uh, it's it's not enough at this point. It's insulting. It's almost a non-story. Um, the big story would be the follow-up story. How many actually take the position back? How many actually want to go back after that sort of treatment? Not many, I would wager. Not many. And, and I would say this also, that uh, beyond the obvious screw up uh, that uh, the DOD had on, had on, has on its hands here with with this man. And it was a, a mandate for all intents and purposes. It was a mandate. Uh, the only people that they could really force to do this was the military. And when the military said, no, we're not going to do it, they let him go. It was as simple as that. So th- that sounds smacks of a mandate to me. But the bigger picture and the thing that's more troubling to me is that this is the government trying to basically fit all of their uh, all of their service branches, whether it's Army, Marines, Air Force, Navy, Coast Guard, whatever, into, frankly, an ideological bubble. You will think the way we want you to think. And if you don't, we will punish you for it. And as a follow up to this, I would give you a story that's just breaking now. Uh, Minot Air Force Base in North Dakota recently sent out service med, uh, members there a text message warning them not, not to attend an event hosted uh, by Turning Point USA, saying that this could actually uh, 
uh, could could create problems for them going forward in their military service. So if you attend and it's a pro Trump rally is what it is uh, sponsored by Turning Point USA. I don't know that Trump's going to be there, but they're already sending out messages saying don't attend this. Some people are saying, well, they do this all the time. It could be controversial. Nah, that, that just doesn't sound straight to me. Uh, when you start telling me uh, your your armed services that they have to watch what they think and how they act uh, and basically, for, you know, say squash their their First Amendment rights. It's starting to sound a little bit tyrannical, man. It's starting to sound a little bit tyrannical. And no wonder uh, their recruitment numbers are down. It's hard to feel good about servicing, a, uh, serving a country that you have been told over and over again sucks and is uh, patriarchal and is 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 rife with white supremacy. I mean, how do you get a bunch of young kids to join those services? Uh, so they're trying to have it both ways, and it's obviously um, running into a buzzsaw with them. So interesting story, though. Yeah, absolutely. And young people just witnessed our military experimenting on our soldiers. All right. The same way our doctors and our media tried to experiment on all of us. Uh, Ruckus, anything further before we let you go on this? Well, real real quick, you guys, do you realize when I reported that this about the army booted 1,903 members altogether, the entire military across all the services booted out more than 8,000. And wow. out of that, yeah, out of that, only 43 have chosen to even bother considering returning. So <laughs> there you it's go. not looking that's good, the, guys. That's the stat we were looking for. That says it 43. all. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Ruckus. It says it all and more if you're into the esoteric yep. stuff. That says it. All right. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. I don't know if you're aware of the so-called protests that took place at the gates of the White House, where uh, red paint, supposed to be blood, was uh, thrown at the uh, gates. The gates were being um, grabbed and, and shaken back and forth. Uh, you had F Israel painted on, uh, on the wall of a building. You had a statue in Lafayette Park defaced. You also had chants of F Joe Biden. And yet, with all that, and I think of January 6th, and there were some people who deserved to be arrested, certainly on January 6th, but they're still going after people who simply walked into that building and did nothing. Uh, and yet you had one person arrested during that whole episode that I just described in Washington, D.C., at the gates of the White House and in Lafayette Park over the weekend, Saturday. It sounds pretty incredible. The Steve Mall. Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. God's truth is enduringly true throughout all the generations. It transcends culture. The church is always going to be an embattled people. If it's swimming with the tide, it's not being the church of Jesus Christ. Look to the past, learn from the past, because the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. China has more than 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus, it's called. The entire state of California ordered to stay at home. That's 40 California has some of the strictest policies leveled against churches. Gavin Newsom's executive order threatens jail time and a $1,000 a day fine. Government that stopping people from going to church, Dr. Fauci. When I went into the White House, when I sat in on the task force meetings, was a shocking level of gross incompetence. 
mortality rate from the virus was 0.2%, you know, 99.8% survival, rather than the 3 or 4% mortality that the, the people were saying at the time. The culture and the understanding of the people of Grace Church has always been, not only do you obey government, but you honor government. Thousands of people in the streets, but you can't have church. The hypocrisy of letting people riot it helped us all understand one thing. This is not what they say it is. By meeting, we're testifying the government has no jurisdiction here. I was arrested and driven to a maximum security prison. The government has obviously uh, turned up the heat on churches. My daddy. <laughs> when the churches fall silent, the only religion left is the state. We needed to make a biblical statement because we always put ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. L.A. County threatened Pastor John MacArthur with jail time and arrest. We were going to be sued. They wanted Grace Church shut down. We wanted to go on the offensive and attack the health order as unconstitutional. This wasn't about health and safety. This was all about control and opposition to religious freedom. As the government gets more corrupt and more corrupt, snitches get rewards. Its totalitarian control has to increase. And you have to have a mask on. And as they shut down any attacks against them, this is not about freedom or personal choice. The last thing standing is going to be the church. Unbiased information. Honest and forthright. News without the misinformation. It doesn't matter what side you're from. What matters is what you say, the truthfulness behind it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, you're listening to State of the Nation on TNT Radio, and we're very happy to welcome our first guest to the program today, Eddie Garcia. Eddie joined us about a month or so ago, maybe a little over a month ago. He's a father, husband, Army vet with six combat deployments, veterans advocate. He's a conservative, and with any luck, he's going to be the next Republican senator from Virginia. And uh, Eddie, it's so wonderful to have you back. How are you, sir? Welcome to State of the Nation. Well, thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Brian. I'm doing really well. Uh, I, I, I'm excited. The campaign's going ex extraordinarily well. Uh, super busy on the road. I'm happy to be here. Well, last time you were on, uh, we were duly impressed with you. You're you're well spoken. You know you know the topics well. I wonder if the uh, recent elections in Virginia gave you any pause, though, because we kind of thought Virginia. I mean, we know that Youngkin got out there. He was a pretty. Uh, he was on the trail up and down the, the Commonwealth, and yet it didn't go quite as planned, and it seemed to be that the biggest issue was abortion. Um, how, how is your campaign handling that very, very hot potato issue in light of what happened with the SCOTUS leak and all of that and the overturning of Roe? Well, I, I would tell you, you you're, you're absolutely right. The Virginia races, state races didn't turn out like we thought. Honestly, uh, we had an extremely low turnout, which is a problem, uh, which, which kind of reinforces the message and, and my campaign message across the Commonwealth is that we have to be a party for working people. We have to be a party that excites uh, the, the working 
class, the forgotten class of Americans by providing an economic opportunity and platform that they can get behind, that they can support and actually want to show up to the polls. What what we found this past couple of weeks in Virginia is that pointing at the Democrats saying that they're bad isn't enough to get people turned up and excited to show up for the polls, uh, to show up at the polls. And so um, it's reinforced my message as far as the, the life issue is concerned. I'm a pro-life candidate. I, I say that uh, unequivocally. I, I think that we need to uh, expand maternity services. We have to uh, make adoption services more accessible to those who, who want them. Uh, we got to ex- expand uh, crisis pregnancy centers, Catholic crisis pregnancy centers that help so many people get informed and make informed decisions. And, and from a economic perspective, we need to encourage uh, we need to expand the uh, child tax credit so those living on the fringes who may be concerned that they can't afford children uh, to have the economic opportunity to to uh, to take that off the plate for them, uh, that they know that they're going to be supported when they make this decision uh, to bring life into the world. And if we're going to be a pro-life party, we actually need to be a pro-life party, not simply a pro-birth party. Uh, and I, I, so I talk about that being pro-life from the beginning to the end, from uh, from from uh, from our from being unborn all the way to our seniors. We need to have an ec- economic policy that uh, makes the American dream more livable in in, in Joe Biden's uh, economy these days. Um, Eddie, yeah. you know, I'm I'm glad you say that because a lot of people think it's just that it's just a dialectic. It's just either. You're you're the oppressed or you're the oppressor here, whether, you know, you're supporting a side that's pro-life or a side that's pro-choice. But the thing that seems to be patently missing is what you just said right there. That sort of, well, wait a minute, maybe it's not has to be one extreme or the other here. And and we've seen active um, measures seen uh, that go against the sort of, um, you know, pro-maternity, pro, you know, crisis pregnant centers. For example, I noticed in the last couple of years, I saw a couple of people who were looking to adopt and they posted videos and social media posts and said, well, because we haven't taken the COVID-19 shot, we're not able to adopt. And that's just one of a bazillion different um, log jams that people run into when trying to adopt. So uh, I'm pleased to see that you're addressing all these, you know, the, the individual topics associated with this. It's, it's very important. Um, it, and if it comes down to, uh, if all the conversation is strictly about abortion, we're missing the mark. Uh, and so my campaign, and I've been focused since day one, uh, being a pro-life candidate to provide the, uh, the, the economic and policy platforms so that we can make it easier for people to have children. That's what we want. We want people to have children. Uh, going through the, the the abortion process should be unthinkable. Nobody really wants to do it. Uh, and so we have to smooth out that path to life uh, economically and then culturally. Uh, that, that's the way we're going to win this argument. Uh, we have to be more accepting. Um, and, and that's just my take on it. It will continue to be my take on it. And, and it, it's been received very positively across the Commonwealth. Well, I must say we're happy to see that you're very Listen, you're not you're not wishy washy on the issue, and that's great. Uh, listen, um, what we're going to do real quick, if it's all if it's all the same uh, to you, Eddie, we're going to take a real quick headline, come back, and I want to pick it up there. When when we get back, uh, this is an issue, as you know, it's going to be it's going to be used by the Democrats to really hammer you on, and I I would like to see how you and your campaign plan on responding to it because they're going to say, oh, he says he's pro life, but what he really is is anti choice. 
And you know that's coming, and we'll get your response to that on the other side. You're listening to State of the Nation uh, on TNT Radio. Okay, everybody, listen up. Big news. Big news. For real big news. Here we go. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Ukraine has lost over 13,700 troops and approximately 1,800 tanks and other heavy weaponry so far this month. Russian Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu said on Tuesday during a ministerial meeting. Taiwan's people have to make a choice in next year's election about whether the island keeps moving forward on the road to democracy or walk into the embrace of China. The frontrunner of the next president said on Tuesday. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Okay, welcome back uh, uh, to State of the Nation. And we're speaking with Eddie Garcia, candidate for U.S. Senate out of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Eddie, thank you for hanging in. As I mentioned before, we uh, we did the headline there. You know, Democrats are going to come after you and they're going to come after you and say, you're going to tout that you're pro-life. And I know that Brian and I completely hear you. I agree with you. I, I'm on, I share that position. But politically, <laughs> and and this ugly sausage making world of politics especially especially in dc they're going to attack you and say he says he's pro-life but he's really anti-choice he's anti-woman he's anti this and that's what they always they always hit with how are how are you going to respond to that um and make it stick well just basically what I, what uh the, the issues that i've stuck to i'm i'm so life i'm 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 so pro-life that i'm even life for the mother uh, we, we need to make sure that women have the best health care possible. We need to expand maternity access. We have to increase uh, it, the, these crisis pregnancy centers. That, that, that's where uh, a ru- the rubber meets the road on a, on a lot of issues. And, and it's the Democrat side that want to tear down these crisis pregnancy centers. Elizabeth Warren gave a, an interview not too long ago. Where she wants to shut them all down. Tim Kaine and the Democrat Party is... Uh, is extreme on this issue. I want to expand care for women who are who are uh, uh, in, in the pregnancy process. I, we want to make it easier. We want to make make sure that they have all the access that they need in order to have the children that they want. Uh, it, it, of course, politics is going to be politics. Uh, all we have to do is stand for the truth. And and as I relayed this to you right now is how I'm relaying it to, to folks on the campaign. Uh, I'm not trying to take anything from anybody. I don't talk about bans. I don't talk about restrictions. I talk about the ability to have children uh, as easily as possible. And if we want if we want women to choose life, we have to make it easy for them uh, economically, culturally um, and, and medically. And so if we stand by our convictions and, and we and we do it with love and compassion, uh, that, that's how we win. Uh, I'm, I'm not interested in screaming back and forth to, to people who are, who are who are not persuadable. There's a vast majority of people who are who are, are, are persuadable, who understand everything that we just talked about, that agree with it. And I think they're going to show up uh, and vote for Eddie Garcia over Tim Kaine in 2024. Yeah, yeah, I do, too. You know, and I think one of the things that that we're all up against when it comes to 2024 and and voting moving forward is just a really low uh as you were pointing out there's not a lot of enthusiasm about it i think americans feel very browbeaten by the polarized nature of the power politics right now they feel like their representatives aren't representing them properly they've and the ones that are trying to they feel like are getting railroaded by the swamp you know so i i love some of the things on your website here um for example 
because this is what we're talking about making the american dream more attainable and more affordable and improving the lives of workers incentivizing work and increasing the quality of our education that right there that that is what i think and many of our viewers and listeners think americans are looking for um but that's going to be a big fight for you i mean what what can you tell us about your your preparedness for taking that fight on because we all know the the forces of globalism are against us in in this regard well my faith grounds me brian i, I would tell you ephesians 6 to, it says to put on the full armor of god and 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 one of those is just the truth and so uh, I, I speak the truth as I see it. Uh, it my platform is it, are the are based on the things that I believe. I think that we need a, a blue collar working class message for the Republican Party. I think the Republican Party has uh, has become has has gotten the rap of being the party of uh, of, of the super corporations, the international and the globalists, and, uh, and and quite frankly, the voters that are voting for a conservative party are none of those things. And so I think we need leadership that that starts to reflect the people that actually vote for and encourages and it can excite the people that we want to show up. Um, it, it's a sad state of affairs. I'm, I'm the son of a ranch hand. I come from from no money down in South Texas. I'm, uh, I spent 22 years in the military. It, it's a sad state of affairs when the only person to ever run for office in the last 30 or 40 years to connect with working people is a billionaire from New York. Uh, but that's just the case. And 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 and, and I, I'm not happy about that, especially as a, as a country boy from uh, from South Texas. But it is what it is. And I'll stand with anybody who's ready to work for, on behalf of working people. We need to be a party of farmers and ranchers and construction workers, uh, uh, pipe fitters, uh, th those people who actually lace up their boots and put on their hard hats and, and try to make a living in this country. Uh, we're, they are the ones that are uh, taking the brunt of this international globalization of the economy uh, put forth by these political D.C. insiders for the last 30 years. And so the reason people feel that way is because they're because it's true. They're not they're not mistaken in the fact that the D.C. class, the consultants, the lobbyists, the, um, the the politicians have sold them out for three decades. And so we the only solution is to get new leaders who actually know what it's like to live in this economy, who want to help people uh, get a good education, not have them saddled with debt. We need to lower these interest rates across the uh, across the nation so people can afford houses and, uh, and get their life started economically. And we can solve a lot of these things if we have leaders that are focused on an economic policies on um, economic policies that that affect and enhance the the working people across the the, the nation. If if all we do is is keep looking out after the the super wealthy and connected in DC, well, we're going to continue to see this decline. We've got to reverse it, and that's that's the sense of urgency. Why I've even I mean I'm even in this race. Yeah, I, I got to say, Eddie, it is funny. You, you point out something that's so true, and that is for the longest time, you know, we always heard the the old expression was country club republicans and uh these uh, the, these corporate elite types and all yeah. this and the truth of the matter is that has been completely flipped on its head we see who the big corporations sponsor now and it certainly isn't republicans and it certainly isn't conservative trumpian type republicans so basically what you're saying is i want another mr smith or in this case mr garcia goes to washington which yeah. i think the country would really jump behind uh, and I certainly hope the Commonwealth of Virginia does. Now, we know how well Glenn Youngkin did on the issue of uh, of education. I mean, that was that was the horse that he rode in on. 
Uh, it's understandable why we saw what happened in Loudoun County and other counties in Northern Virginia regarding these school board meetings. It was absolute insanity. What is your take on uh, on uh, on school choice, charter schools, homeschooling, and basically, uh, well, to put a fine point on it, breaking the back of these teachers unions that are in a very unholy alliance with the DNC? Well, I'm 100% on school choice, and I've had a record uh, saying numerous times, there's numerous videos of me saying that I'm a, uh, that I believe in a national school choice voucher program or tax credit program, rebate program, however we frame it, uh, to give the power of the education of children back to the parents. Uh, because to improve the quality of education in our public school systems, you're, you're, the only solution is to reduce the class sizes. Uh, the, and the only way to reduce class sizes right now is are to build new schools, which nobody's doing, or to give parents the options to, to choose somewhere else to go. And what that does is it encourages homeschooling by allowing uh, parents to be able to stay home, receive some of that money that they, that's designated for their kid, educate their kid. As a conservative, that's what we want. We want parents raising children and children learning in the household from their parents. Uh, if for whatever reason people can't do that, they can set that that voucher, that rebate, that credit can subsidize charter schools, can char can subsidize parochial schools, uh, private schools. And what that does is not only it helps all of those children, but the kids left in the public school system. If we can reduce those class sizes from, say, 25 to down to 15, those kids that are left, they're going to have one more one on one time with the teacher. They're going to have more adult supervision. There's going to be less crime, less drugs and less distractions. It, it improves their quality of education, too. It's a win for everybody. The only people that it's not a win for is the administrators and the teachers unions that, that are pushing against it. But we have to do something different. If Republicans continue just to chase the tail on the latest outrage of uh, bathrooms or books or uh, teachers or curriculum or whatever, well, this fight will never end. The only uh, sustainable solution that increases the quality of children's education is, is through a national homeschool uh, voucher program, because what the government has showed us during COVID it, is that it has the, the ability to send a check right to the parents uh, with, with no department, with no agencies, with no overhang and, and, and overhead costs. So it can be done. We just did it. Uh, now we need to do it in a way that that's uh, that helps people for the long term. I think I think that's the, the path forward. And uh, that's what I've been. That's what I've been promoting on the campaign trail. Love that. I'm really glad you mentioned that about the government's ability and willingness to just print checks whenever they want, even to foreign nations. Uh, but more importantly, <laughs> it was shown that it can be done yeah. to American citizens. Our government has the ability to end homelessness. It has the ability to stop the degradation of our education system. It has the ability to support uh, pregnant women and pregnant women in crisis. It has the ability to do all these things. Um, but they pretend as though they can't. So that's why we need people like you. EddieGarciaVA.com is the website. Again, EddieGarciaVA.com is the website. Support Eddie. And remember, you can do this nationwide. Uh, as many of our states go, we, we're gonna, we can't just focus on our own states anymore. We need America First politicians up there, and we need them across the board. So, Eddie, thanks for everything you're doing. We'll definitely want to check back in with you real soon, and uh, we'll have you back here on State of the Nation with Steve Hook and myself very soon. Absolutely, guys. Always available for you. All Thank right. You, Eddie. Excellent.
Best of luck, Eddie. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Once again, I'm going to quote from my buddy Mark Marano's Climate Depot. This is just unbelievable what I see going on at this summit between Biden and the Chinese government. As a matter of fact, the most alarming thing is that John Kerry was anywhere around that place. These two guys and their administrations have been bullying the United States of America over a problem that even if it existed, we have very little to do with it. Australia, UK, you have nothing to do with it. Canada, you have nothing to do with it. Seriously, if you look at the amount of CO2 you put in the air compared to total CO2, it truncates to zero. Now, who is the biggest polluter, if you want to call CO2 pollutant? It's China. So expert raise alarm after Biden strikes climate agreement with China to shut down fossil fuels. <laughs> what, what kind of insanity is this? China thumbs their nose and laughs at the rest of the world. And guess what? It's our fault they do it. You know why? They know darn well that this is not a big disaster. They know darn well they have to push forward their population. I mean, I realize China's in bad shape as far as freedoms go, but they are trying to work in their own whatever manner to try to create more freedoms and more prosperity for China. So of course they're going to sit there and try to stop the United States. And these guys just walk right into it. It's disgusting. Americans are letting a guy and his buddy John Kerry bully them over a situation they have precious little to do with. Let me read you the facts. CO2 is 0.042% of the atmosphere. Man is responsible for 3 to 5% of that. The United States is responsible for 10% of that total. Australia, Canada, the UK, about 1%. Essentially, it's nothing. Much ado about nothing. They weaponize weather in a phony climate war. It's unbelievable. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog Meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. I need to go get my rabies shots. You are loved. You are valued. You are resilient. You got this. You are there for them. We are here for you. Find free care guides at aarp.org caregiver. Critically analyzing national affairs, this is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McLean on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, it's time to do it. Go ahead and open that browser tab up, pick up that cellular mobile device, and go to your browser, type in Scott James for CO. Dot com so that you have that uh, in front of you uh, while you view or listen to this and uh, for use afterwards. And reading from that website, for 40 years, our next guest has used his talent as a communicator and public servant, becoming a well-known, award-winning country music host in Denver, a former councilman and mayor in Jonestown. He currently serves as a second-term Weld County Commissioner where he helped keep Weld County debt-free with no county sales tax. He's running for Congress in Colorado's 8th Congressional District, and if he wins, it would be a flip. It's currently held by a Democrat, 
and we think it is winnable for Republicans. So joining us now is Scott James. Scott, thank you for joining us. What motivated you to step into the congressional campaign there in Colorado? I was looking through your bio. You've got a very interesting bio, and uh, you're not the typical politician, it looks like. Uh, so welcome to the program. How'd you get started in this? Thanks, Brian. It's it's my pleasure. First of all, I, as, as a 40-year broadcaster, I fell in love with public service. There's something magical when a radio station that's licensed to serve the public trust literally does get their, their hands dirty, rope their sleeves, and, and get to know their listeners and, and serve them and work with them. I literally fell in, in love with the aspect of, of public service. I uh, fell in, and of course, if you if you have my belief, there are no accidents, but I, I also uh, fell into public service when I went to basically complain about how my subdivision was being developed in my little town of Johnstown. A gentleman who was on the Planning and Zoning Commission meeting says, you know, we have an opening. And, uh, well, you know how it goes from there. I uh, did uh, three years as chairman of the Planning and Zoning Commission and then was elected to a uh, town council in 02, 6, 10, 14. I ran for mayor in 16, county commissioner in 18, and again in 2022. I love serving the people that uh, are in my community. Now, if if you guys, Brian or Stephen, have ever had a program director, that program director will tell out, visualize your audience. And so I used to do the same thing. I wanted to visualize my audience. So I'd go to a convenience store at about 640 in the morning. And I would see the, the teacher squirting $20 worth of gas in his tank and, and the guy grabbing a monster and a breakfast burrito, getting ready to go to work in the oil fields. See that mom who forgot lunch and was hoping she could find Lunchables. See the truck driver getting coffee. All these people had one thing in common. They had lost their voice in Congress. The regular old common folk of the 8th Congressional District simply weren't being represented. They weren't being served. I found that unconscionable. I decided to throw my, my name into the hat. You use your skills to do where to go where God calls you, and I feel like I'm being called to Washington, D.C. Well, Scott, God bless you. You are a true uh, citizen patriot in that regard, and we certainly are happy to see that you've thrown your thrown your name into the hat, and hopefully, uh, it gets pulled out of the hat. I looked at the uh, I looked at the 2022 election results in the Colorado eight, and I got to say, the Republican uh, at that point was uh, Barbara Kirkmeyer. She barely lost. I mean, she barely lost. She lost by under 2,000 votes, and she lost mainly because a libertarian, Richard Ward, jumped into the race. Do you have a libertarian that's running against you? And how is the 8th District looking now that you've got, uh, what's her name, uh, Yard Yardier Carveo? Is that her name? I don't I... Congresswoman Carveo, Dr. Carveo, yes. Carveo. To ask, uh, to answer your question, if I have a libertarian, not one declared yet, uh, the gentleman who ran as a libertarian is running this time around as an independent. And you you honed in on that 9,900 votes that uh, was attracted by that libertarian this time. Here's the more shocking number. Uh, my friend, uh, uh, Senator, now Senator Barbara Kirkmeyer, uh, state senator, lost by just 1,632 votes. Meanwhile, 38,000 Republicans did not vote in the 8th Congressional in 2022. We will focus on not only getting out the vote, but getting it back in again. And of course, uh, in, a, in a presidential election year, we have a feeling those votes are gonna come off the couch. Um, in my commissioner district, the second Weld County Commissioner District, it's a fully ensconced subset of the 8th Congressional. I delivered 6,600 votes more than did Senator Kirkmeyer. If Barb would have received the votes that I received as a county commissioner, she'd have won the district by two percentage points. 
I'm a known quantity. I have been uh, in uh, public service here for 25 years. Folks, I, I hate to be Shakespearean with you, but I'm constant as the Northern Star. People know who I am, and I am excited to serve them in the United States House of Representatives. Well, that's, you know, that's great. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. And I'm so glad you brought up the number of uh, couch votes that did not happen. Yeah. I mean, 2022 was uh, somewhat disappointing for a lot of conservatives across the nation. They were expecting a a redder wave. A red wave was the term that was throwing around, and it didn't quite work out that way. But I mean, do you think that a lot of people are not doing, especially in the, in the midterms? I mean, midterms traditionally have lower turnouts, obviously, but do you think that's uh, perhaps a artifact of all of the kerfuffle over the 2020 vote that kind of discouraged a lot of people from getting out and voting? And what would you say to someone that's discouraged? Well, if, if you crossed your arms and sat on your couch and said, I'm not going to vote because my vote doesn't count, guess what? You got what you voted for. Oh, by the way, you didn't vote. So therefore, you, you, you got what your situation warranted. I would say that you must get off the couch and you must vote uh, just because we see how narrow these, these margins are. I understand the disappointment of some, um, but as my teenage boy would say, don't hate to play, I hate the game. You got to get in the game to be able to play. Uh, folks, you have to vote in 2024. Yeah, and we did notice, and I think Brian brings up a very prescient point, midterm elections are always iffy. And frankly, that's for both parties. But as, mm -hmm. as tight as these margins are these days, uh, you've got to get out there and vote. Yes. I tell to my kids, I've got two kids that are in their late 20s, and I tell them, you got to listen, your number one civic responsibility is to vote, because if you don't vote, you can't bitch. Uh, and if you don't vote, don't come, <laughs> don't come bitching to me. But that that said... What do you think about the giant? I don't want to get you into a into a a, a, a blood war with, with with Rona McDaniel, but there's been a lot of criticism of Rona McDaniel and her get out the vote campaign or lack thereof, the early voting, the mail ins, all of this stuff. Fair or unfair, she's been the subject of a lot of this. Uh, how do you think the RNC is doing as far as getting the vote out, because we saw in 2022, the red wave that never happened. These elections a couple of weeks ago uh, didn't go the way we kind of wanted them to. Not as badly as 2022, but I agree with you, too, that we're going to see a lot more uh, votes, Scott, in the uh, in the president in the general election. But how about Rona McDaniel? What do you think about the RNC? You know, in candor, I am not very obviously not very happy with the results that we've received. Republicans have a tendency to sit around and say, I don't believe in mail-in balloting, which is what we have in the state of Colorado. I don't believe in same-day registration, which is what we have in the state of Colorado. I don't believe in these things, so therefore I'm not going to vote. Again, don't hate the player, hate the game. Uh, I would say that uh, uh, Ms. McDaniel needs to, or, or Rona needs to do a, a better job at coordinating the effort for Republicans. Even though you may not like it, it is the game that we have and we must play it. Please develop a program and a plan that we can tap into. Uh, I uh, uh, appreciate where the party's at. I am a guy that's running my own campaign. We have put together a team uh, of consultants and, and managers who are the best at the nation in the nation in chasing down that vote. We have data in the state of Colorado that gives us uh, day by day by day of who has and who has not voted. We know who has and who has not voted. We're going to go get the votes. All right. Yeah, we need to see more of that. 
And how is Colorado's 8th district doing with regards to now being a border town? Every town is now a border <laughs> town in the nation. Um, and, and what are your thoughts just more overall on the current U.S. border crisis? I, I will use one of their favorite words. It's unsustainable. We simply cannot handle this influx of, of, of migration. I read uh, a couple of days ago, 2.8 million touches. Is that what they call them? Uh, that the, the, the United States uh, Border Patrol uh, has. They call them uh, immigrant touches. Um, well, we need to, to build them, whether it's build a wall, whether it's secure it with military grade technology here in Colorado, we have basements. And sometimes you go into your basement and you say, geez, I've got water on the floor. Uh Oh, your basement's flooded. What's the first thing you do when you find out your basement's flooded, you find the source of the water and you shut it off. Then you deal with the water that's in your basement. We must secure the Southern border uh, from where I sit in Johnstown, Colorado to, to Juarez, uh, uh, Mexico. It's about a 10 hour drive. That fentanyl, that human trafficking, that, that absolute lawness that exists at the border can be right up I-25 and in my backyard in, in about 10 hours and 20 minutes. That's wrong. We have to secure the border. We must. I noticed that whenever you, and you, and you just nailed it, you, you, you fix the flood in the basement uh, and yeah. then you, you get the water out and then you fix the flood. Uh, every time this, uh, the, the, the border problem is, uh, is addressed. Uh, the Democrats have a pat answer. It seems to be the answer that they tell all of the, this is what you say if they mention the border crisis. And then you say, this is a problem that crosses party lines. This is a problem that has been festering for a long time. We need to have uh, immigration reform. They never say, first we'll fix the border and then we'll go for immigration reform. Uh, it seems like Republicans need to hit back a little bit harder on that and say, you want immigration reform? Fine. Fix the border, stop the flooding in the basement, and then we'll address the problem with immigration reform going forward. Don't you think that's the the uh, the way Republicans should handle this? My grandpa always told me, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. You have a big old elephant that is a, a border and immigration, immigration problem here. The best bite seems to be to secure that southern border. Because I can give you a number of my little Weld County, uh, 30, uh, 330,000 person rural Weld County. Uh, 52 is the number of people who died fentanyl deaths in 2022. 52. I just want you to remember that number in my little rural county with small town America, 52 people died from fentanyl, most of which could be sourced to the southern border. We have it, border security is, is public safety. And if you care about keeping your kids safe in Johnstown and in Thornton and in, in Commerce City, Colorado, you must care about securing the southern border. It's that simple. Absolutely. You know, it's it's just amazing what's happening. We're losing a we're on track to be losing 100,000 people a year and climbing in this nation due to that poison coming over our borders. And it's worse than many people realize. I bring this up often because I remember when I had this realization, it changed my entire perspective on it. 100% of the pills that they look at that young people and people of all ages buy online via social media applications are contaminated with fentanyl. So we have a large amount of non-drug users not looking to, you know, get blazed out of their minds on the heaviest drug they can find. They think they're getting Ambien, they think they're getting something else, and we find them dead. Uh, it's, it's 
it's a huge, huge invasion. Um, in our final minute, are you, um, how do you feel about having that fight on Capitol Hill in the swamp when the Democrat Party clearly vote, all votes in lockstep? I mean, are you more focused on the Republican Party from within? Or do you want, how does, how does that work for you? You got about a minute left. Scott James for CO.com is the website. I am focused on the people of the 8th Congressional District, and I will work hopefully with Republicans, uh, with Democrats. I will work with anybody who wants to secure our borders. I'll work with anybody who wants to lower the prices. If you've seen the price of your Thanksgiving this year, dinner this year, it's up 41%. We must, we can't afford to live. We can't afford to eat. We can't afford to put gas in our car. Uh, we, we can't afford, we can't afford so much in life. We can't afford more of this. I'll work with whoever will help me get the job done there you go well excellent stated. well stated. yes yeah absolutely Thanks. scott james for co.com is the website scott james best of luck and we'll have we'll have to have you back on we want to hear an update as the campaign moves forward we'd love to help you uh advertise get out there and help scott over at scott james for co.com we need to do this nationwide this is state of the nation right here on today's news talk tnt radio